everyone, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. Today we're going to finish part two of six common questions about flipping houses. The second part is really good, so kick back, relax, and enjoy the show. Let's go. Welcome to the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast, a no-nonsense show designed to help you punch fear in the face and create the life you've always dreamed of. Now, here are your hosts, Vince and Christian. Cool. So next question is, and this one's kind of another general one, when is a good time to buy a house to flip? Yeah, so um, I've actually heard this question a few times from people they, they might be asking a similar question when it comes to buying a traditional, a primary home the traditional way, um, which that kind of gets into a more of a realtor client based um, text. But when it comes to just buying a house to flip, in my opinion, uh, there's always a good time to buy a house. Oh, yeah. As an investor. Yeah. yeah. I mean, as long as you run your numbers right. And if you're buying, if you're buying conservative, conservatively, let's just say 75 percent and below. No matter your exit strategy, um, no matter the market, you're still going to win. You know, yeah. if you're buying 85%, 90% deals in a market, let's just say there are recession hits and rents go down and your mortgage is like, you're upside down in your mortgage versus your rent. And then you end up having to foreclose. That's yeah. probably because you didn't buy the deal right. Yeah. yeah. And one of the things I think everybody learned this year too is that uh, cash is king. Reserves. It, yes, reserves, man. Uh, I have... I have been keeping a little stash for us for just in case. I mean, my one of my old mentors when I first got started in real estate told me that for each rental property I had, I needed at least $5,000 in cash so that if anything happened on that property, it wouldn't affect what I need to pay my bills here at the house and to take care of my wife and two kids. Yeah. That's just another little nugget for you. As you as you get into this this industry and you start flipping houses and you start making money, which you will. It's it's a guarantee. Yeah. Save, I, not saying save. You know, put it in a savings account because that's you know kind of a joke. But at least have money, <laughs> have money that is your emergency fund. Um, yeah. You know, Dave Ramsey does have some good some good stuff. This mm-hmm. is the one Dave Ramsey thing I'm going to plug. He's good is, at saving. Is, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I won't comment on that. Just what I'm just going to say about that is to just have a nice set of cash set aside so that if anything happens on any of your properties or even if a house that you're flipping goes south, yeah. it's not going to affect you and your family. Especially with flipping houses because, I mean, a rental, you know, the five is, is definitely great. But when it comes to flipping, there are things that are going to be way more than 5000 you might not expect. So especially with a, with a bank relationship, they're going to ask you to have on closing day, um, on top of your down payment, you know, the twenty in your account just because that's a safety net for them. Mm-hmm. And of course there's ways to get that through your private investor yep. that it shows in your account and then whatever, whatever. But it's very important, uh, especially when flipping. It's a little bit more riskier probably than a rental. So Yeah. Yeah. And again, you can get that from your private investor. If you don't have 30 G's, your private investor does, they can transfer it to your account. That's all the bank cares about. They want to see that you have skin in the game and you have cash in your account that if something happens, you know, yeah. they're good, you're good. Next question is should I hire my own subcontractors and manage the flip myself or hire a company to do it? So, man, I, I have a story for every question. Let's hear the story. From personal experience. I, when I got into real estate investing, um, we hired someone that we knew personally to manage our flip, the first three that I actually talked about. And um, it kind of went south because this person 
took money from us. So if I would have done it differently, I actually got a couple estimates from some well-known companies here in the area. I would have hired them, even though they're going to charge 20% of the budget as their fee plus their fee. It's worth it in the long run because if you, let's just say you don't have a nine to five and you have the ability to manage flips like we do now, um, you'll save a lot of money on these flips. If you don't, if you have a nine to five, definitely hire someone Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, uh, just on that quick point uh, that you were sure. saying on the 9 to 5. Listen, I used to have a 9 to 5, and I was still managing flips. I just went on my lunch breaks and after work. So, uh, I mean, it's still possible. Now, of course, they're not like they weren't heavy gut rehabs. They were uh, cosmetic, you know, 25 grand in rehab or less. Um, so you can still manage the subcontractors that you're hiring. You just have to figure out how you work around that with you gotta your, be creative yeah yeah like yeah. you were saying earlier about adapting you know in the marine corps we'd say adapt and overcome and i hated that when i was in but army it, army too okay yeah. well yeah. i thought it was just the marine corps thing because we're better but yeah it's cool um so what i was saying is though if you want to start learning this industry is hire a company who has good reviews you definitely want to do your research on these people because in this world unfortunately the construction business is very cutthroat and there are people who will walk away with your money so you want to look for companies that have good reviews that come recommended from other investors um like i said you're going to pay a little bit more because they do charge it's usually 15 to 20 percent of the budget plus a fee to manage it um so starting out definitely hire a company or if you are partnering with an investor who's been doing this then just work with them and, and ask them to teach you what does the process look like. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can also, if you're confident in your abilities, you can also go and find um, subcontractors from uh, other people that you know in the industry that they've used before that are reliable, can show you pictures of their work. Build a, a, a list of, like, build, essentially build a team of these subcontractors and when you're also, we'll get into to the budget here in a bit, but making sure, you know, you 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 know the market price of what it should be, and that they are in line with that, because some some contractors like to charge crazy amounts for stuff out both there. Both arms and both legs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that's important to know as well. Yeah, and so uh, another tip is be at your flip when you're first starting out, and if you don't know your subcontractors, let's just say you're managing it yourself. If you don't know them well, I would be there every single day. The mistake I made on my first flip was I went maybe once every two weeks, three weeks, and this flip turned out to be a four-month flip when I finally figured out what was going on. But if I if I would have done it correctly or if I could do it over again, I would have been there every single day until I knew that crew well enough to now the crew that we have, that we work with. They're pretty solid. Oh, they're so solid, and we're very blessed to have them. And I, what? You go there what, maybe once or twice a week to check yeah. in, drop off drop some off stuff, supplies, yeah, and then bail because yeah, we know that they're going to get the work done. Like so, it literally, I mean, we have time to go do other stuff and and uh, focus on working on the business and not in it. Mm, that's um, good. But definitely, as a, as a first time flipper, uh, yeah, be there every day, making sure that you they know that you're there, watching what they're doing, and and that you're you're present that's that's what they're because then they know that they can take advantage of you if you're if you're not there which is what happened to me yeah and never ever 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 pay before the work is complete never pay up front people yeah we've seen so many stories on on our uh, real estate face facebook groups of 
this guy did this to me and this guy took all this money because they paid up front. So, yeah. That's just, this is the one industry where you just don't do that. Maybe you do that in other places like when you go get, I don't even have an example, but just just don't do it. Don't pay up front. If they yeah. ask if they ask for anything, uh, if they need supplies and they want cash for their supplies, and, and this is another thing, never pay in cash. Yeah. Your homeboy made that mistake by paying in cash. Yeah. Um, but if they want something and they want supplies, they can go down to Home Depot or Lowe's and they can do what's called a phone sale. And Home Depot or Lowe's will call you and you can authorize that sale on your debit card or credit card from your phone and they will tell you what that person is purchasing. Yep. Yep. Or you can, whatever the supplies might be, you can drop off supplies as well, like doors and stuff like that. Um, instead of just relying on them to buy it, you know, you, you keep track of where the spending is going. Yep. So talking about spending. Ah, yes. Ah, this is a good little uh, leeway. So how do you make a budget when you're looking at a house to flip? And what happens if I go over budget and the house doesn't sell? This is a good one. This is definitely a good one. And uh, kind of what I said earlier about making sure you know what market prices are on um, certain things like fencing. Right now, lumber is through the roof. Yeah. Um, so, uh, so Now's not a time to get, yeah, get a fence. Definitely not. Um, there's a lumber shortage going on, and they're like three times what it used to be. So making sure you know what market is. Like, uh, for example, foundation, we're paying like 150 a pier. Uh, I've seen other investors say they pay 150 to 175 um, but just making sure you know what market is so that you don't, um, they don't uh, take advantage of you mm-hmm. and say, this guy doesn't know, and then charges you like 300 a peer. Or I, I saw a post the other day on Facebook, a guy was asking, someone told him 1000 a peer. <laughs> yeah, which is crazy for foundation. Um, wow. That's, so, that's astronomical. I've never even seen retail prices that high. Yeah, it's crazy. So people will take advantage of you if you don't know. So what I would suggest is, like, for example, you can ask a wholesaler to be to have you be put on their list. They'll send you these deals. You can go walk them and try to get an idea of what you'll need. So you'll, mm, that's you'll a good idea. Yeah. So you, you look at the roof. The roof looks tr- like trash. I'm going to need a roof. So you write down a list of all the things you need. Roof, foundation, electrical, plumbing, bathroom, remodel, kitchen. And then when you have that list of all the things you're going to need on that specific deal, Call up a few uh, subcontractors that you have been recommended. Say, hey, what do you charge per square foot on this? And then, you know, I, I would say don't always go for the cheapest work because you're going to get that same quality. Mm-hmm. Cheaper is not always better. Yeah. But if you have a good medium and this guy's reliable, he responds to your text on time. Mm-hmm. He sends you invoices on time. Yeah, invoices. <laughs> oh, my goodness. It's goodness. like pulling teeth. <laughs> but so... Go through that list, know the market pricing for whatever those things are, and then you can build a relationship with those subcontractors as you get it. Yep. One of the ways that you can um, kind of figure out a budget, like what Christian was saying, which was a great idea, I've actually never never thought of that, is um, maybe just ask some other investors. And people are generally pretty helpful most of the time. So go on some of these uh, real estate investment Facebook groups and just ask someone, hey, do you have a rehab budget that I could look at that you use when you... You estimate costs on a property. Uh, the budget Google sheet that I use, I actually got from another investor who um, I used to run a wholesale company with them. And uh, one of the brothers was the construction guru. And he gave me his uh, budget sheet. And over the past three years, I've added a lot to it mm. because at the beginning, it was just very general. And um, I have added, it's not very line item. Like I'm not budgeting 
you know, per nail and whatnot, but it's it covers pretty much anything you could think of. And so we just go through that and we based on the square footage, we make our our budget based on that. And then we I typically try to over budget on certain areas because you most of the time you go over budget. Um, So if you already plan to go over budget, you can come in under budget. Like the past two houses that we did, this one in uh, NRH that's closing this week, we were like $8,000 under budget. I think it's tomorrow. Oh. Yeah. The other one's getting delayed. I'll tell you about that in a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And be prepared for delays on everything. Literally. I I don't think of all the closings that I've been a part of, which which is more than the number of remodels I told you all about, I the percentage of deals that have closed on time is maybe ten percent, maybe fifteen. Yeah, it's very low. So mm-hmm. uh, always plan to never close on time. Um, but when you're when you're doing these budgets, just plan for a little bit extra because there's always going to be something that comes up. And then a huge thing at the very bottom of our rehab budget is miscellaneous. Oh yeah. Right now it's at twenty five hundred because we've been doing this for a minute. If you're new, I would probably put five grand because there might be something that you're definitely going to forget. Um, I think we've got our budget pretty honed in pretty well. So 2,500 is good for us. And we usually sometimes use all of that. Sometimes we yeah. don't. Yeah. I mean, sometimes you can come under, under budget. Um, you know, you just kind of uh, maybe get lucky. I don't know. Yeah. Plan for the worst yeah. and hope for the best. And I have one more uh, technique that you can use for trying to um, learn the process of, of, of setting a budget. So, um, <clears throat> Let's just say you find a deal that it's only your deal because um, a lot of times when you get them from wholesalers, uh, there's going to be like 50 people walking the same property when they're doing their showings. Uh, pretty annoying sometimes. But yeah. anyways, um, if you have a deal that com- comes your way and uh, you're like, I don't know where this budget should be, you can get a GC, uh, of course, a reliable and well-known GC to come give general you... General contractor? Yeah, yeah, general contractor, which they, they basically are in a manager, a project manager, and they sub out all the work, essentially. Yeah. Um, so you come and get them to look at the project and say, hey, can you give me a line item quote or estimate on this house? And so they're going to give you like a three-page document that says for the bathroom, it's going to need 40 square feet of tile. That's going to cost this much, this much. Here's the markup, whatever, whatever. So it kind of gives you a good number. Like, let's just say they come and they say, oh, the the total on this is going to be 30 grand. And it gives you a really good idea of, okay, so if they're at 30 grand, I might be able to be at 25 grand and, uh, and I'll still be in good shape because um, I'm taking away their GC fee that they're going to charge to do this house. Yep. Um, so that's a good way to, to kind of get a good idea on a house that you don't have an idea on. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, that's, I think I've, Kind of mentioned that briefly earlier, but yeah, just getting um, an estimate from someone else so you can see like, okay, this is what I should be charging. And then this is key right here. This is kind of, I guess, a little bonus is to always have another extra strategy. Like, I think we mentioned this at the beginning. You know, the second part was what happens if the house doesn't sell? Well, you should always have more than one extra strategy because if, if, for instance, your only strategy is to flip a house, and if it's not selling or if you got screwed over Yikes. like I did, what then? Well, then you got to sell the property like I might have had happen, and you might have to lose money because you only had one strategy. Hopefully, you don't have to come out of pocket on, this, on the uh, sale either. Yeah, hopefully, you don't have to lose $28,000. 
Um, wow. Not that I don't know anyone who that happened to. Um, <laughs> Sounds like that happened to you. Oh, it did. Yeah. So if I were to have more than one exit strategy, I could have probably finished that house, brought in another private investor, finished it, refinanced it into a rental. And even though it was a higher dollar house, it, it could have been a rental at least until I got could got to the point where I could have sold it. Yeah. So always have more than one exit strategy because it's not what happens if things go south. It's what happens when things go south because at some point... They will. Luckily for me, I got mine out of the way on the first flip. Yeah, that's good. And uh, one of the things I always look at um, if I'm buying a house is, uh, of course, what what the comps are and then to what rents are, because I need to make sure if I refinance it into a rental that I have enough spread there to make sure it makes sense. Otherwise, like if 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 the rents are way below my mortgage is fifteen hundred and the rents are like twelve hundred (laughs) dollars. That's that 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 takes out that exit strategy there, so that kind of puts you in a bind. So it's like, do I really want to buy this house if I know I don't have multiple exit strategies? Uh, that's just something to consider when you're buying real estate. Yep, that's good. So uh, hopefully this answered some of you guys's you guys's. I feel like I'm from the north. You guys, y'all's y'all y'all's your questions on um, flipping houses. Wait, are we done? We're done. Oh, this right. is it. We did it. Good deal. I'm just gonna close it. We just got some quotes. We have some quotes. Yeah, I'm, I'm just. I'll, I'm you always one. have quotes. I always have. You like the quote guy. I am the quote king. Okay. Because I think quotes inspire people. You know. Well, here's my take on okay. quotes. Quotes are meaningless unless you take action. But mm, I'm more of a. That's uh, a good quote. <laughs> that is a good quote. But I'm more of a direct kind of kind of fellow. So, you know. Oh, it's good. I, I think maybe, and this is a lot of people's hesitation. I feel like, and, and maybe you're listening. You're like, well, what happens? What happens with this or what happens with this? It's so risky, blah, blah, blah. I love this quote right here. Maybe sometimes it's riskier not to take a risk. Sometimes all you're guaranteeing is that things will stay the same. And another one, I'll throw in one more. If you dare nothing, then when the day is over, nothing is all you will have gained. Mm. Let me ask this. How, how come people are so willing to, to spend 100 grand on a degree not knowing what job they're going to get and if they're going to get one that, that pays what they want? But they're not willing to spend five grand on a on a, a on a venture or real estate investment or something like that, or even five hundred dollars on a course on how to invest in Airbnb. Shameless plug: besteverbnb.com. It's it our is. course on Airbnb. I was waiting for there it. There it is. <laughs> you know, I was just talking with someone uh, either Monday night. Well, that's yesterday. Oh, and we we have a lowered price right now. We do. Ah, thank you for reminding me. If you're still listening and you haven't cut us off yet. We're offering $100 off right now of our Best Ever BNB course, which is a course that we uh, developed earlier this year on how to start and launch an Airbnb, giving you everything you need from A to Z. Right now, if you go to besteverbnb.com and go to checkout and type in Friends100, we're going to give you $100 off. I'm uh, not sure how long we're going to run that promo, so I would take advantage of it right now. But yeah, I mean, uh, like I was saying, people... People want to do six figures of debt to work a job that they're going to be at for the rest of their life uh, to pay off that debt when you could easily take a much cheaper risk and get into real estate mm-hmm. or whatever it is, any venture that you're, you're wanting get in, getting into. It doesn't have to be real estate. Yeah. You know, you're developing a clothing line or something. That risk is going to be, in my opinion, more beneficial than 100 Gs or more of college debt. Yeah. Anyway, so hope you guys enjoy this episode. We will see you on the next one. Remember, no one cares. Work harder. 
This episode of the Middle Class to Millionaires podcast has ended, but be sure to subscribe for more tips and strategies on entrepreneurship, life, and business to help you create the life you've always dreamed of. Don't forget to rate and review so we can continue to bring you the best content on planet Earth. Hey guys, welcome back to Middle Class to Millionaires. This is part two of Six Common Questions About Flipping Houses. Part two. Here we go.